Now, like most prophecies, or many prophecies, this was actually a double-barrel prophecy. It was a double-barrel prophecy. So there were two barrels. The first barrel deals with the people of the time that it was directed to, but the second one has implications for us. So let's have a look at the two barrels. Number one barrel. Now, we might all feel today that at sometimes we face the proverbial valley of dry bones, but the immediate effect, the immediate message of this prophecy was clearly directed to the children of Israel, to the people of Israel. In Ezekiel 37 verse 11, it says this, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and you, I will bring you together in the land of Israel. Now that's an incredible prophecy because when Ezekiel saw this and when he wrote this down, this particular prophecy, his people were in exile. They had been invaded by uh first of all by the assyrians and then by the babylonians they had they left just a few people there they carted every all the important ones anybody worth anything was carted off and put into exile in another nation these guys were, were not in their homeland they were not in the promised land anymore they had lost that the temple was destroyed the walls of the city were broken down in jerusalem everything was a mess and these guys were prisoners in a foreign land that's where these words were initially spoken. They were isolated, they were miserable, they were in desperate need, and they were without hope. Can you imagine being invaded and taken captive and then carted off to another nation? Your hope kind of dwindles a little, doesn't it? Because here you are, you don't, you don't understand the language, you don't understand the customs, and you are the lowest rung on the ladder. You're the slaves of that society see the exiles long to go home and be in their promised land and ezekiel spoke into that need and in the last century this is the incredible thing after centuries and centuries of this not be not coming true this this prophetic word to the people of israel we've seen it begin to happen in the last well in our lifetime since 1948 who knows what happened in 1948 the nation of israel was proclaimed a nation again in one day, the nation of Israel was born. But according to this prophecy, in many ways, although that nation is reforming, it's not there yet. It's like the corpses. They have a flag, they have a constitution, they have a prime minister, an army, a parliament. They have a nation, they even have bits of Jerusalem, but they are not complete yet. <coughs> yes, they're drawn back into their land. Yes, they're reassembled to a degree they are just like the vision of the scattered bones they come together they're standing there the the sinews are being put back on the flesh is being put back on but they are missing one vital ingredient the breath of the spirit of god that's what they're missing if you're going to pray for anything for the nation of israel pray that the breath of the spirit of god would enter that nation pray that the spirit of god would take hold of that nation because that's the way it should have been, but they blew it many times. But that's not beyond redemption. The people of Israel, they have a role in God's plan of salvation, but they're still looking for the Messiah that we know has come already. And we have His Spirit within us, and we need to pray the same for them. If they, they are just a secular nation now, but we need to pray that they'll be filled with the Spirit of God. Do I hear an amen to that? So if you love Israel, pray for them to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's not just about territory and armies anymore. It's about a move of the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Yes. 
So that's the first barrel. That's where it was, the, the prophecy said it's directed to. But of course, like many prophecies, there's a second barrel, ka -ching. And the vision also has meaning for us today as a second barrel. It speaks to all of us here in Australia in 2021. You see, we all have times of barrenness. We all have times of dryness in our lives. And the proverbial valley of dry bones is a desert experience that all of us at some point go through. Yes, even committed Christians have times of dryness. dryness. How many of you know that? If you don't, then God bless you. Tell me how you do it, because I have them, and I'm sure most of you do as well, even committed Christians. And it could be caused by a situation, could be just uh, caused by something big like a divorce or the death of a loved one or a debilitating illness, surgery, accident, from which you never seem to fully recover. These are times and places in our life where we ask ourselves, will this ever end? Will I ever be normal again? Will my life ever be the same? There are times when we ask God, where are you in all of this? How many of you have ever asked that? God, where are you in all of this mess that our lives seem to, to, to live? You know, sometimes we look at our life as a mess. We say, God, where are you? Times of overwhelm, times of hopelessness, times when we, like Ezekiel, face death and destruction and doubt and fear all around us and times when like him we have to say only you lord know only you well today while acknowledging that the vision was originally for the people of israel i also realize it has implications for you and i do you agree the second barrel is aimed uh, surely at us you see so many people in our society in australia right now are dead men walking. Have you ever seen zombie movies? I don't know if you like zombie movies, but I actually do. Um, and um, yeah, I've got to repent of that. But see, zombies are through whatever means, they're, they're, they're functioning physically, but their mind is not there, you see. So they're just sort of mindless zombies. What can you say? It's the zombie apocalypse. See, when the zombie apocalypse comes, if it comes, I'll be ready and you won't, because I've seen the films. Just saying. But so often we see people out there in our society are like dead men walking. If you, are, if you are separated from the purposes of God in your life, if you are shunning His purpose, you're just slogging forward, your feet mired in muck, the quicksand of hopelessness sucking you down, time like another step seems almost impossible. I don't know if you've been in mud where you, 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 know, you, you, you take a step and you can't pull this leg out because it's being sucked back. That's what it's like for many people living. And let's be honest, even as believers, sometimes we face this. We're just slugging through life, going through the motions without inspiration, without excitement or joy. We're just dry bones in a parched landscape. I love, I love many of the Psalms, but Psalm 63 Verse 1, David writes this, I love this. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We live in a dry and weary land where there is often no water. And I tell you spiritually, this is a parched, dry nation. This world is full of people who just exist. They don't really live. They're just existing. All over the coast, we live in the most beautiful part, I believe, of the world. And all over this beautiful area are people that are just barely existing. They go to work, they have a career, a business, a family. Many live for all those things. Many live for drugs or alcohol or sex or smoking. But most people don't live for something that is eternal. They have no knowledge of the spiritual world and they live like dead men walking. They have no peace. They have no purpose. 
They're going nowhere. I mean, think about your average person out there on our coast, maybe your neighbor, maybe your friend, maybe your family. They get up, they go to week, day, sorry, they go to work day in, day out throughout the week to try and get to the weekend where they go out and they party so hard they can barely remember it and then they start again the next week. And so it is, they're going round and around and around and around the same boring, mundane, humdrum life looking for some sort of purpose or meaning. It's kind of like an eternal Groundhog Day. Remember that movie? Where you get up every morning and it's the same thing over and over again. See, the most they can hope for is to have a few times of fun before death and oblivion swallow them up. They're without purpose, without plans for their life. And they resemble the pile of bones that we talked about in Ezekiel. In the book of Genesis, God speaks about Adam. In the book of Ezekiel, he speaks about the dry bones. What they need is the breath of God's Spirit. That's what they need. For apart from that breath of life, we have nothing. Without His breath, our heart and mind remain stagnant and lifeless. We're just a fresh corpse. Skin covering nothing. Unless the Spirit animates us and we, re- we will remain dead inside. We constantly need that. We need that as believers, don't we? How many times have you gone through just those dry times and nothing seems to work? You feel like your prayers are bouncing off the roof. You open the Bible, it seems lifeless. Other times you, you'll open the Bible and it's, it's, it's just speaking to you every single day. But even as believers, we can get sucked back into this dry corpse-like existence even as believers see we've all been there at some time and if some of you are there right now and I want you to just take a few moments stop and look at your life and tell yourself where you're at are you in that are you in a place of plenty are you in a place of joy are you in a place where you are really moving with God or are you in this dryness I'm not accusing you I'm just asking you to look at yourself because if, if we examine ourselves, we will not be examined. We need to examine ourselves. Because we, it's so important. If you can't see it and measure it, you can't do anything about it. If you think that the lifeless existence is where it's at, you are wrong. Because God has so much more planned for your life. C.S. Lewis said this, It is since Christians have largely ceased to think about the other world that they've become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Very wise words. The Bible puts it this way in Colossians 3. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And so many of us focus just on earthly things. See, focusing only on life here is a bit like carefully combing your hair for hours in front of the mirror only to step out into a hurricane. That's what it's like. We invest hours in making our bodies look better, our cars cleaner, our homes neater. Rather than working on our homes and our cars and our bodies, maybe we should work on our relationship with the Lord. Because it's going to be worth more in the long run. Serving Him, working for His purposes, desiring His glory. And again, as C.S. Lewis said, if you keep your eyes fixed on heaven, you get earth anyway. If you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, All these things are your... We are focusing on the wrong thing all the time, folks, as men and women, even as men and women of God. And frankly, if we don't focus on the right thing, we are no better than a bag of dry bones. And I believe that God sees sees us as so much more. Don't you? He sees our eternal possibilities. He sees our destiny. He brought us with great sacrifice. If we honor God when we live for Him, 
as the priceless beings that he created us to be filled with the very breath, the very spirit of God. So let me ask you this morning, looking at that passage in Ezekiel, where does it all start? How do you start to, to uh, move with, with God's spirit? How do you start to breathe life into the dry bones? Well, it all starts, number one, with the word of God. God asks Ezekiel this question, Ezekiel 37 verse 3, Son of man, how can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And see, God is asking the same question today. How can the dry, dusty, scattered bones of our life live again? In the natural, it's often hard to see. But in the spiritual, they can absolutely live again, can't they? Ezekiel says, only you know God, because only God knows the plans for your life. Plans you probably don't even know about, but he says, he promises you he has plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We can trust God with our lives. We can trust him with our futures. We can seek him instead of the other things of the earth. And anything we do as a church, anything you do for the Lord in your life has to start with the word of God. That's why I want you to read the Bible. I have mine on an iPad. It's a very skinny Bible. I always wanted a big Bible. I got a skinny one. That's okay. Um, but I would encourage you to read the Word of God. We have a Bible reading plan. It's available over in the corner there. Read the Word of God. Join with us. Read, read in, in sync with us. Because God's speaking to all of us over and over again. Do you know, yesterday I sat down in my quiet time. Yesterday before I came here to, to be part of this working bee, I sat down in my quiet time and I spent some time with the Lord. And in the book of Deuteronomy, this verse leapt out. It said, you have gone around this mountain too long. It's time to go up and possess the promised land. Wow, that's awesome. <coughs> On the morning, we start moving stuff. I said, that is incredible. But that's what happens because the word of God is living and active. It's alive, sharper than any, any double-edged sword. So you can't grow, you can't move into your God-given destiny without the Word of God. You just can't. So God spoke His Word to Ezekiel and Ezekiel obeyed. Now the second thing He had to do was to prophesy to the bones. Look at verse 4 to 6 in Ezekiel 37. It says this, Then He said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones. It's a bit weird prophesying to bones, don't you think? Next time you have a chicken dinner, try it. <laughs> o dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> Chicken bones. Hear the word. You know, it's not a normal thing. But God sometimes asks, asks us to do stuff that's a little weird, a little out of the ordinary. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and you will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. You shall know that I am the Lord. So prophecy is an important part of the equation here. Now, some of you here have come from a fairly conservative background. Some of you are Pentecostals. You go, prophecy, woo, let's do it, you know. And some of you here are Pentecostals. Uh, sorry, I've come from more conservative backgrounds. You go, oh, prophecy, that's weird and spooky. We don't do that, right? So I'm here to tell you today that prophecy is not weird and spooky. That's what it can be, but it shouldn't be. Because prophecy is just speaking the words of God. Okay, that's what prophecy is. Now, it's a controversial area at the moment, or has been for quite a while. And frankly, sometimes in Pentecostal churches like ours, it's abused. I've heard some well-meaning uh, but misguided people say all kinds of weird things. And they come to me and they say, God told me this. 
Well, what do you say to that? How do you, when someone says, God told me this, that you can't reply to that. How do I take on God if I don't agree? You see, how do Christians manipulate one another? They use the words, God told me. That's how we manipulate one another. Let's be honest. And sometimes the misused gift will do that, try and use it to try and influence someone's life by saying, God told me. So prophecy can indeed be a blessing or a curse to a church. It really can. And so that's why we as a leadership here have put in place what we believe is sound basis for this particular gift to operate. We believe in this gift, but we also believe we have to put safeguards in to stop abuse of it. There is actually a lot of powerful prophetic words each week in our church. Did you know that? You wouldn't know that because it's not happening in the public area, but behind closed doors, particularly with our prayer team, there's a lot of prophetic words. There have been many times. In fact, even just in the last few weeks, God's spoken to me directly about the direction of this church through a prophetic word given to me by someone I trust. And usually it's delivered this way. I feel like the Lord is saying this, or would you consider this? Or it's not God told me with the finger like that, you know. So we've got to be very careful because this particular gift is abused, but it can be the most incredibly powerful and wonderful gift. There are some people who are, who, you know, you just don't want to, I often tell you, people come and give me the word of the Lord. And I think, well, I hear God too. Why didn't he just say it to me? Why do you have to say it to you to say it to me? When I don't even know who you are. You know, I'm not shutting it down saying it's not God, but I'm saying it's a little suspicious. It's like me trying to deal on Friday. I was trying to get the keys to our new property. And we have to go through solicitors because that's the rule for some reason. And so I will call my solicitor who will call their solicitor who will call them. And then they would say this to this, listen back to this, listen back to him, back to me. This is Chinese whispers, guys. You know, if your heart is open, then God will speak to you a lot of times doesn't mean he doesn't speak to others for you but a lot of times he will just speak to you so most genuine prophetic words that i've heard have been delivered with humility and sensitivity in 1 corinthians 14 it says this so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues but all things should be done decently and in order but he says earnestly desire to prophesy see prophetic words can be an incredible encouragement or an unbelievable danger And for this reason, we don't permit corrective or directive prophetic words, ones that say you need to change this or you need to do this, unless it's run through, filtered through the leadership and the prayer team of the church. And we do that specifically, because if I come to you and I'm just some guy walking in and say, God tells you to leave your wife and go and do this. And you think, well, God's telling me to do that. Well, no, no, hang on a minute. We need to run that through the leadership who will open the word of God and see that that's not what God is saying. Do you follow where I'm going with this? So we believe in prophetic words, but most of them should be encouraging. How many of you have received an encouraging prophetic word in your lifetime? I certainly have. Many. Okay, when people come to me with a prophetic word, I generally get back to the first point. I say to them, thank you for the, the word from the Lord what verse is it because if if they can't show me a verse i'm not entirely sure that i'm going to accept that because for me this is the word of god and this is the standard by which i will judge everything and after all 
when prophetic words are delivered in a church which bring life and encouragement and we know that um, in 1 Corinthians 14 3 it says the one who prophesies to people is for their upbuilding and encouraging and consolation so Paul tells us that over and above all of the other spiritual gifts including tongues healing teaching everything else we should eagerly desire to prophesy 1 Corinthians 14 1 says pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy I don't know how much more plain Paul can make it. Desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. So does this mean we are all prophets? No. But does this mean that God can use us to speak his words to someone else? Yes, he can. So let me ask you a question. What's the purest form of prophecy? Scripture. Exactly right. If God is speaking the words of, words of God, he will use the word of God. Is that right? So many of you, you say, well, I don't do any prophetic words, but I, I did get a verse for my friend and I shared it with them and it really encouraged them. That's prophecy. Because you spoke the words of God to someone and it encouraged them and built them up. I'm not saying it's the only prophecy. I'm saying that's a very pure form of prophecy. Now, most prophetic people I know, and I know many of them who speak into my life, many prophetic people use the word of God right through their prophecy anyway. They won't sit with an open Bible, but they have it all memorized. So there's a clue. If you want to move in the word of, world of prophecy, if you want to speak God's words to people so they're encouraged and built up, get the word of God in you. Because if you have the word of God in you, it'll pop out all over the place. You'll be talking to someone and suddenly mid-sentence, you'll find the word of God's just injected in there because this is life. And it's living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Do you follow what I'm saying? I think we should all eagerly be eager to prophesy. And if we put the word of God in our hearts, it will make such a difference. But let me ask you a question. How can you speak about something you don't know? Well, some people are very good at that. I've <laughs> been talking to lawyers. I know that. Um, but if you want to speak words of God to someone, you need to get this stuff in your spirit. If you are not reading the Word of God, memorizing it, chewing on it, thinking about it, discussing it with your friends, living it, obeying it, don't think you can speak the words of God to someone else with confidence. You've got to put that stuff in your spirit. So, he spoke the Word of God, he prophesied to the bones, and then we had a bit of shake, rattling and rolling, because those bones started to come back together, verse 7. So I prophesied, said shake, rattle and roll, who remembers that? you're all old that's right <laughs> i remember that i'm old okay <laughs> it, no it wasn't it was in the 50s <laughs> it was even before my time you know my grandkids say dad did you have dinosaur granddad do you have dinosaurs in your day no no not quite that old listen what it says verse seven so i prophesied and it was commanded and as i prophesied there was a sound a sound and behold there was a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come on them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them clanging clattering bones can make a lot of noise they can almost tap out a rhythm that sounds like life but okay they're just dry bones they have sinews and flesh on them However, by themselves, they can only create an empty, soulless sound. And frankly, folks, we can be like that even in church, can't we? We go through a lot of stuff, do a lot of stuff. We're creating a lot of stuff, but there's no life of the Spirit in it. 
We're not moving forward in the kingdom. See, we could go to work, go to church, have a family, watch TV, do loads of things, all of them good, but none of them matter in eternity. You could do many things in life, many good things, but my question to you, are they good things or are they God things? Because lots of, lots of the stuff we do is good, but is it God? That's the question. We need to ask ourselves that question. Is it God? We want this place to be full, not just of activity, but to be full of life. There's a difference. How many of you know that COVID reset everything? Is that right? And for us as a church, and for even for me personally, I reset the way I use my time. I don't want to be doing the things. You sort of get stuck in a rut doing stuff, don't you? I felt like that before COVID hit. I mean, you know, we're just we're doing lots of stuff. But it's not all God stuff. It's just good stuff. But it's not God stuff. And so all this activity and tiredness had like achieved nothing for the Lord in the long run. I want more, more than noise and activity in this place, don't you? So the fourth thing is Ezekiel prophesied to the breath. Look at verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe, and, o breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And that's God's call to us today, to you and I. He's calling us to breathe life into the dry bones of our lives and into the dry bones of Nambour and surrounding areas. You see, we have his life within us. And God has anointed us to speak in prayer and to prophesy in action to the lifeless corpse that is Australian society. Our society is lifeless out there. And you know what? They have a different opinion of us than what we think they have of us. They think that, 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 that it's okay to attack Christians because Christians are always whinging and, and trying to stop people doing what they want to do. That's not true. We just want to speak life into things. I met uh, yesterday, as you probably know, our new church is beside a tattoo parlor. And um, the tattoo guy is actually going to be one of our tenants, which I think is kind of cool um, because I've never had a tattoo uh, parlor guy as a tenant or anything like that. And I met him uh, again yesterday and he looked at me and he said, uh, are you the church? <laughs> and I said, I said, I smiled sweetly and I said, yes, we are the church and uh, we're, we're your new uh, landlords and noisy neighbours. And uh, he looked a little nervous and I said, I'm not here to wreck your business. I said, we're here to live together and to prosper together. That's what I said to him. Now, I don't expect you all to go out and get a tattoo, all right? <laughs> it's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. But... I'm not here to wreck another man's life. I'm here to give him life and life to the full. Now, if I drive him away, if I drive him away, how are we going to reach him for Christ? How are we going to reach all the people? All the people that go in there day after day, this is a harvest field, folks. These are people who need Jesus, and we've got the chance to share it with them. So I just wanted to say, I hope to sit down and have a cup of coffee with this gentleman. And just chew the fat and just let him see that I'm a real person, like you're a real person, but that we have life within us. Ezekiel 37.10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. See, God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the winds, and he told him what to say. In the Hebrew language, the word ruah can mean wind or breath or spirit. It's the same word. 
In Genesis 2 verse 7, you remember, Adam was formed from the dust. It says, uh, the Lord God formed Adam from the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath, the ruah of life. And the man became a living creature. So we need, you and I need, our church needs the breath of life in us, don't we? We need the Spirit of God breathed into us. And only then will we stand complete before him and part of his exceedingly great army. So when all this goes on, there is a movement of the, uh, the Holy Spirit. There's a follows with God's Spirit. In this vision, God's prophetic word precedes and it moves, uh, it precedes the move of God's Spirit and it brings true life to these dry bones. In the first barrel, we're talking about the dry bones of Israel and one day they will have that life breathed into them. I believe that, don't you? That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that God will reach that nation for him and breathe life into that he's gathered them together but it needs the the spirit of god the life of god doesn't it and i know many of you pray for that every day and i love that because they need the lord they really do but the vision also showed us that uh, there's a second barrel here that's you and i need the lord see in ezekiel's time how was god going to revive the people of israel he said he'd do it by his word and by his spirit. The word had to be accompanied by the giving of the spirit, the breath of life coming in. It's a classic example of spiritual revival. It was true of ex exiled Israel in the past and it's true of you and I today. The word and the spirit must combine to bring spiritual revival in God's church today. When one or both are absent, God's people have no living experience of his reality in their midst and they are no better than bo dry bones or lifeless corpses. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we just have the word, some churches are very big on the word, if we just have the word of God, we finish up in legalism. If we just have the spirit of God, but no word of God, we finish up in heresy. When we put the two together, when we have the word of God and the spirit of God together, then we can thrive and become an exceedingly great army. So this morning, the vision and the spiritual application I would like you to take from this is I want the Word of God in you, but I want the Spirit of God as well. Do I hear an amen to that? And we know His Spirit is within us, but I want to stir that up, don't you? I want to see God's Holy Spirit move in our hearts as we yield ourselves to Him. Too often God's people are like that standing army that stood before Ezekiel at that point. They look good, they look the part, they look like they're alive, but they're dead inside because there's no spirit there. And even sometimes churches look like that. I believe that through the Holy Spirit and the faithful proclamation of God's Word that we can see life in our midst, don't you? The fundamental lesson of this vision is repeated again and again throughout Scripture. Word and Spirit need to be present. God's people are, not, uh, sorry, are unable to prosper. They don't just exist. They don't just live, they live life and life abundantly. But when, that's when we have the Word of God and the Spirit of God acting within us. And only on that basis can we reach out to a despairing community. How are we going to win our community to Christ? Newsflash, we're not going to do it. He's going to do it. And as we yield to Him, as we put His Word and His Spirit in our heart, then we'll be able to reach our community for Christ. Last year was a great time when the rest of the world were cowering in fear in the corner over a virus that's 0 0.09 uh, millimeters long. Um, we had the incredible opportunity to reset our lives. 
the chance of rebuilding our lives right, of rebuilding our church afresh. Then God moved the people that he didn't want out of here and he moved people that he does want in here. And I believe that we are in one accord. I believe that we're in unity, don't you? Because I don't want to sit around grappling with people when we're not in unity because there's a world to win out there. We can't fight the enemy on every front and fight each other on the inside. It doesn't work that way. We must be in unity together. But to be in unity, we need this balance between the Word of God and the, the Holy Spirit poured into our hearts. See, God is moving us downtown to start a new fresh chapter in there. But we are useless if we are just dry bones. We are worth nothing if, to, to the kingdom of God if we are just dry bones it's all useless if we're covered with sinews and flesh but we're still corpses we are useless to the kingdom of god we need his life in us we need to prophesy the breath of life into us instead of just going through the motion so today i believe we need the breath of life are you with me do you feel that in your heart like i don't want to go through the motions i don't want to just churn it around i want to open my life and say lord move in my heart breathe afresh into my life if we are to be a mighty army for jesus we need the food of god's word and the breath of god's spirit so today i want to call you to stand with me as a mighty army just as that uh, prophetic word spoke stand as a mighty army and play your part in god's exceedingly great army so would you bow your heads it takes the word of god it takes the spirit of god to breathe life and I'm going to ask him to breathe life into us right now. I believe that God has called you to be a mighty army for him. I believe that God has called us to stand together to win our area and our nation for Jesus Christ. But we don't do it. He does it through us. So I know God has led many of you here from many different walks of life. Some of you have been here a while. Some of you are new. But I want to invite you this morning to join his mighty army. See, your country needs you. He's reaching out to us. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts this morning. Just open your life to him now. Just open your life to him and say, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever we need to do, Lord, we want to just give it to you now. Don't let anything hold you back. Not your relationships, not your work, not money not pleasure. Lord, we lay them all aside that we might serve you. And because that prophecy said we stand as a mighty army, I'm going to ask you that if you're committed to winning this nation for Christ as I am, I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's stand together. Just stand, keep your eyes closed. Just concentrate on him. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to place your hands in front of you like this, just in this sort of pose here. Just open your heart to the Lord. Put your hands there to signify that and say, Lord, use me to win this nation. Just say that now to him. Lord, use me. Here am I, Lord. Use me to win this nation. If you are available to him, if you care about your people, then ask him to use you to win our nation. Lord, I pray that for 
every person standing here, for every upturned palm, for every open heart, Lord God, I pray right now, come Holy Spirit, I pray that the breath of your Holy Spirit will just pour through people's lives right now. Just open your heart to him. It's not weird or spooky, it's just God. Open your heart to him and let him speak to you. Let him minister your heart as you stand for him. Thank you.